Hello and welcome to the Facts Over Fandom Show, take two. You guys don't know this, but this is the second time I'm trying to record this show. I got through about 10 minutes um, trying to record the first time, and it it was just awful. I'm playing hurt today. I am day-to-day. I'm playing hurt, but I still cowboyed up and, and made it in. I was at a uh, baseball game until late last night. We're recording this on Thursday, and I was out at the South Bend Cubs on Wednesday uh, Wednesday night with some students. Uh, great experience, great event. I got the opportunity to throw out a first pitch, which has always been a, a dream of mine. And uh, it was great to catch up with one of our alums. But I paid for it the next day. I just uh, I still got to get up early and, and get to work. But but that's okay. That doesn't matter. Um, hopefully, take two is going to go a little bit better. Welcome to the show. Very excited to talk with you about this topic because today we're going to talk about something that I'm passionate about, um, and that's endurance sports, specifically marathon running. Um, and you know, it's kind of like the old joke: How do you know if somebody went to Notre Dame? Don't worry, they'll tell you. It's the same thing with marathon running. How do you know somebody's ran a mar- marathon? Don't worry, they'll tell you. But uh, it kind of becomes part of, yeah, I don't want to say like part of who you are, and it doesn't necessarily need to define you, but it's such a difficult and meaningful accomplishment for people that they can't help but talk about it. So, so yeah, if you see me driving down the road here in beautiful Northeast Indiana, you're going to see a 26.2 mile sticker on my car because I'm like that. But that's not what's important right now. Welcome you to the show and letting you know how excited I am to have you here. That is important. So if you're checking us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash FOF underscore show. We're also on Rumble. I thought, hey, why not? Let's just try to get us out on many platforms as possible. Haven't done a lot with that yet. I might get into that a little bit more and try to build that page up. But if you don't watch us on YouTube and you and you like to prefer and you prefer Rumble, hey, that's great. We're there too. Just um, type in Facts Over Fandom. You can search for us on Rumble. So YouTube and Rumble if you want to watch the show. And I apologize. Um, you know, if, if I'm not in my home office, if I'm somewhere else in my home. I like to use the background um, so you don't have to see my unfinished basement where it looks like, uh, you know, Dexter's kill room down there a little bit. So, you know, I, I've got a glare going on my head and, you know, I look like I got this kind of like ambiance halo around me because I'm using the background. So um, I don't like it, but we're a low budget show. I'm a, a one man band. This is the best you're going to get. Also, please follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at FOF underscore show. Instagram and Twitter at FOF underscore show. It's the only place where you can find us online and and communicate with us. If you're listening to the show and you like what you hear, let me know. If there's something you want me to talk about, please let me know. I love talking about um, the the business of sport. And we're going to get into a little bit of that today as we look at the economic and just the charitable impact that marathons can have on a community. But YouTube, Rumble, Instagram, Twitter, check us out. FOF underscore show. Love to hear from you. And for everybody who's been listening, you know, I can see the numbers. Um, Really appreciate it. You know, obviously we're nowhere near, um, you know, Joe Rogan numbers or anything like that. I don't don't have any delusions of grandeur that will get there. But if you can, please, if you you like to watch this uh, on YouTube or Rumble, that's great. If you like to listen to us on Apple, on Amazon, on Google, that's fantastic too. But if you would, please do me a favor, 
please give us a listen on Spotify. Um, Spotify is the platform that I use to push out these podcasts. And it's the platform where, you know, frankly, if we get enough listeners, I'll be able to monetize this to a very, 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 very little degree to enough to, you know, maybe I could buy half a hot dog the next South Bend Cubs game I go to. But it would just kind of be a, a nice way to kind of show a little bit of a proof of concept, I guess, to um, maybe not to future advertisers, but at least to my wife and, and kind of um, justify why I take some time to uh, to make these episodes. But like I said, last episode, some people like to fish, to hunt, to quilt, whatever it is for their hobby. I like to podcast and, and I love talking about sports. So for this is just a labor of love for me that, that I do for free. And I hope, I hope that um, everybody listening is getting something out of it. So please, Hit us up on on social media. Let us know. Let me know that you're listening. Okay, so let's get into our topic today. So the title of the show is "How to Chase a Unicorn," and I use that deliberately um, because if you think about the Boston Marathon, if you know anything about the Boston Marathon, their mascot and it's on the finisher's medal is a unicorn. And for marathoners, and, and maybe not even non-marathoners, just recreational athletes or recreational runners, you know, dr- running the Boston Marathon is just a dream. You know, that's kind of the granddaddy of all marathons. When you think about marathons, I think um, inevitably people think about the Boston Marathon. And so that's the title of today's show and, and the reasoning by today's show about today's show. So, um, I want to talk about a little bit of the business side uh, of marathons. We'll get into that a little bit. But if you wanted to run one of the majors, how could you do it? You can't just sign up for Boston. That's not how it works. You've got to qualify. Or there's a couple other ways you could get in if you wanted to do Boston. But there are six Abbott World Major Marathons. So we got Boston, we got Chicago, we got New York, we got Berlin, Tokyo, and London. Um, I've run four of the six, so I have a bucket list to run all six. You know, I was a team sport athlete my whole life, even up until um, my late 20s. And in my late 20s, I was playing uh, softball and, and basketball and flag football. Um, but unfortunately, I got I was getting older and I kept getting hurt. You know, I think I've dislocated this shoulder, you know, f- uh, four times. And um, I've had some other things uh, that, that, that have happened in my body to where team sports has just beaten me down. And physically, I, I could handle it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But you know, taking time off work, um, going to doctor's offices, spending money on medications and in therapy and stuff. I'm like, this is stupid. And I talk about this with my students all the time. You know, there's going to come a day where you're going to play your last game. You know, the, the phone no longer rings. Um, you've got to take that jersey off for the last time. And then what are you going to do? You know, because life expectancy, if you make it after 20, you know, life expectancy is up into, you know, the mid 80s. And now, you know, the stats are life expectancy, you know, is about mid 70s for most people, maybe late 70s. But that also is including things like uh, infant mortality and um, in in youth deaths, um, teenage deaths. You know, you take those out and you make it past 20. Uh, odds are you're going to live for another 60 plus years. So, you know. If your career as a team sport athlete is done, you know, in your late 20s or 30s, then, you know, you still got 50 more years to be active. So what is it you're going to do? You don't want to just sit on the couch for the next 50 years. So for me, um, because we know the benefits of physical activity, 
both in our mind and body. So for me, um, it was endurance sports. And, you know, I was a, a quasi-endurance sport athlete. Um, I, I ran cross country in middle school, but that was just kind of a fleeting thing. I didn't, I didn't really like running distance when I was a track runner in high school. Um, I was more of a middle distance guy. I didn't like going out and, you know, running three or four or five miles at practice. Um, I just kind of wanted to run, you know, my 400 and or 200 and, and then be done with it. But I needed a way to stay active and I needed a way to stay competitive. And so I had run, I think, starting about 2007, I started running half marathons. And for me, that was a huge goal. You know, we got one of the largest half marathons in the country in Indianapolis, where I'm from. Um, I live in northern Indiana now, but, you know, being from central Indiana, um, you know, running the Indy Mini Marathon was something it felt like a lot of people did. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do that. You know, that's kind of a, a big goal for me. Running 13.1 miles um, would be really, um, really difficult and something that I'd like to give a shot. So I'm going to do it. So I did that for a number of years. I did it for about 10 years and never had I ever finished a, a half marathon and thought, you know what? I want to turn around and do that again immediately. And that's my kind of thinking behind a marathon, you know, because 26.2 miles. Um but something got in me. And the more that I ran, the more, be the better I got at it, the faster I got, the stronger I got, you know, I was losing weight and I felt pretty good. In about 2014, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go for it. I I'm going to go for it. I'm, I'm going to try to run a marathon. And so um, I, I looked and, and I thought, okay, I, I don't want it to just be any marathon. I want it to be really special. And um, I found the Chicago marathon just a few hours away. Great. Let's do it. <clears throat> I love Chicago being a Cub fan. And in the summer, I don't think there's any better city in the country. Chicago's just fantastic. Um, and the Chicago Marathon is in October. So the weather's still pretty nice, especially for running. So I thought, hey, giddy up. I'm going to do it. So registered to run the Chicago Marathon. And I ran my first marathon in 2015 in Chicago. Well, one thing I didn't know about that I, that I learned is that Chicago Marathon is part of five other marathons that make up the world major marathon. So there's six world major marathons. Um, and, I, and I think I talked about them earlier. We got Chicago, New York, Boston, Tokyo, London, and Berlin. And I thought, wow, what a cool kind of bucket list thing to run all six of the world major marathons. It was about this time when I ran my first Chicago marathon that I was dating somebody who is now my wife. Um, and she was a flight attendant. And about that time, the Chicago marathon, things started getting serious. And I'm like, all right, you know, I, I think I really like this girl and she may be the one. And wow, I'm going to be, if we get married and I can fly for free, that would make things a whole lot easier. So this seems like a pretty reasonable goal. Giddy up, let's go. And so that's what's end up happening. And, and I've ran four out of the six. So what I want to do today is talk about those six world major marathons, talk a little bit about their impact in their communities, and then also um, how do you gain entry into these races? So let's start with Chicago. And I'm going to share my screen and just share some pictures here with you. And this is where I kind of had some issues with um with my with with the first take of um, of the show, so hopefully I've got those worked out. All right, so here's a picture of Chicago Marathon, right? And this is me at the starting line. Now 
like I said, I've ran four of these and, and I've ran a whole bunch of half marathons and Chicago is it's it's almost like in unlike anything else. The crowd is fantastic. It's not very difficult to get to the start line. Um, it was easy to meet up with my family and, and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, after the race. You know, it's it's easy to fly into Chicago and, and get out of there. Um, I, I just thought Chicago was fantastic. The the whole experience from from soup to nuts was was just phenomenal. Um, and so Chicago, if you wanted to enter, there's a few ways that you can enter. One, there's a lottery. And in the lottery, basically what you do, you put your name in and there may be quarter million people put their name in for one of these majors. And then they're only going to select, you know, maybe about 10 percent. And you get your name selected, and then that does not guarantee you entry. Um, but what you can do is then register to run the race. And that's how I got into Chicago. Um, my first try, which is unheard of and, and probably makes people mad if you're a runner listening to this. Um, but my first try, I got into Chicago, got my name called and said, absolutely, yeah, I'm registering and registered and and then ran in 2015. So that's probably the the easiest, most popular way to get in. Not guaranteed, but easiest way to get in. And then if you can't get into the lottery, what a lot of people will do will run for a charity. So there are charities associated with these marathons and you can run as a charity runner. So Let's just take a charity, let's say like the American Heart Association, and you would partner with them and you would pay them a fee for your entry fee, let's say $200. And then you're going to, and, and then you get a guaranteed spot into the race. But part of that is that you have to commit to fundraising however much money that they say you have to fundraise. And it differs with the charities and it differs with the races, like Boston being the most popular um, to fundraise for those charities could be as high as $10,000. You know, for Chicago, which is a really popular race, I mean, you know, over 35,000 people, um, it's a, it's still popular, but not as much maybe as Boston that's more competitive to get in. You know, the fundraising goal might be $2,000, right? So you partner with the American Heart Association as a charity runner, you commit to raising $2,000 and you get a guaranteed entry into the race. So that's the second way. So we got the lottery and we got the charity. The third way would be with an international tour group. So let's say you're a runner from overseas. Um, there, marathons will partner with tour groups and give them a certain number of guaranteed entries. Um, you would pay a fee for your entry fee. And then this group would take care of your lodging and your travel and you pay for all of that. So it could be like a seven day trip where you're going to come over and maybe they've got some excursions and other things like that for you. Um, but that is really cost prohibitive. I mean, you're talking about thousands of bucks, could be five, six thousand dollars to run the race. So um, those are the three ways to get into Chicago. And if if you're interested in running a marathon and you're not sure which one to run and you want one where the crowd here in the United States, where the crowd is going to be there every step of the way, um, they're going to be supportive. The signs were hilarious. Um, you know, I've ran some other marathons where, you know, the signs were just okay. The fans here, they're really, really funny. Um, and you're going to, you want a nice kind of open course where you don't feel tight other than maybe the first, five, six, seven miles. Um, Chicago is fantastic. I, I could not recommend it enough. So let's go on to the second one that I've ran. So let me change my picture here. <sighs> New York, New York, New York, 
New York's okay. Um, yeah, I've been to New York City a few times, and I think the allure of New York and, and kind of the romantic of idea of, of New York is is maybe a little bit more grand than than my experience has been. It doesn't mean anything bad. I'm not saying anything bad about New York because I have. I've, I've enjoyed um, the times that I've been there and, and have some good memories. Um, but there are so many people. It is just so, so, so busy. And for a kid from the Midwest, um, for the most part, you know, born and raised, um, you know, New York is is really kind of a, a, you know, one, it's a culture shock, but that doesn't bother me as much. It's more just like the amount of people and just trying to get around and navigate is really difficult. And that's what's represented in this picture here. So I'll give you a quick story on New York, and then I'll talk about how you can get into New York because it's pretty similar to Chicago. But this race, it's a point to point race. So you have some races where you'll finish where you start. Chicago's pretty close. So you can kind of keep everything centralized. New York, you go through all five boroughs. You're going to start in Staten Island, and then you're going to finish in Manhattan. Um, And those are nowhere near each other, right? And they are not easy to get to on the day of the marathon by, by car or anything else. So I made the decision to stay in Manhattan to try to be as close to the finish line as I can, um, because when I'm done with the race, you know, I don't want to walk all over, you know, God's green earth trying to get back to my hotel. Um, so we stayed maybe about three or four miles from the finish line in Manhattan um, with Staten Island. You know, um, I'm not exactly how far sure how far away it was, but I mean, it was quite a bit of hike from where we were staying to Staten Island. I don't know, maybe 13 miles or so. So what I had to do, um, I had to get up ridiculously early. I had to walk a few blocks to um, um, Central Station, take a subway to the Staten Island Ferry. Ferry, And that's what you see here in this picture, right? (laughs) Once I got to the ferry, I had to wait for um, one of the ferries to come and pick us up. All right. So again, I'm still in Manhattan. Um, so I'm waiting for the Staten Island Ferry to come pick us up. So I'm in this huge, 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 huge room um, with thousands of other people waiting to get on one of the ferries to take us from Manhattan to Staten Island. Okay. So wait there for about an hour. Get on the ferry. Ferry is maybe about 30, 35 minute um, boat ride. And then we get into Staten Island and boom, you see this picture right here. This is what it was. Just a mass sea of people just crammed but to elbows in this big hall waiting to go and get on a charter bus, which would then take us to the finish line. It took me four hours from my hotel to get to, I'm sorry, get us to the start line. It took me four hours to get from my hotel to the start line. And as I was getting there, they were starting to close the corrals and starting to um, uh, close the start line because you got to be there by a certain time to get the race started on time because they can't keep the roads closed all day. you know. So I got there just in time to start the race. So usually I like to have a nice little warm up about 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, no, I got off the charter bus, boom, sprinted into my corral. And no sooner I got there, they said, all right, go. <laughs> and off I went. So, and not only that, but I forgot, I, 
I just forgot stuff with me that morning. I was just in such a hurry and and it was so early. I didn't have um, my watch so I could kind of track my pace. Um, I also run with a running belt to kind of hold my my wallet, my phone and everything. I didn't have that with me. Um, so at Central Station, I had to buy a um, you know, one of those traveler belts or one of those money belts that you kind of put underneath your your shirt um, so nobody will steal your wallet. Well, those are not very conducive for running. So I kind of had to stick it down my tights in, in um, you know, on, in my butt. And it, it was just a mess. And I'm trying to use my phone. Um, I got my headphones in with, with my pacing on my phone using the RunKeeper app. And it was, it, I, I lost battery. So I finally finished the race and the place to meet my family, it was blocked off. For some reason, I couldn't get to it. So you have to continue walking, 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 walking for about a mile and you're in Central Park and you have to kind of walk uphill. And I did, could not find, at the time my wife and I were married, um, I could not find my wife anywhere, right? And I think my mom was with us and, and my mother-in-law was with us. I couldn't find any of them. Um, and my phone was dead. I had no way to get a, holding a, a hold of them. Um, and so- at this point, it's starting to get dark. There's a bench in Central Park. And I came to the conclusion and I made the decision at that point. I'm like, you know what? This is where I'm going to sleep tonight. <laughs> like, I'm done. I can't walk. I can't move. I can't find my wife. I can't find my family. My phone's dead. I could get murdered. And I'm cool with that because I just kind of want to die anyway right now <laughs> after running this race. Um, so I, I sit on the bench and a guy walks past and I just kind of looked at him with like the biggest puppy dog eyes I could make. I'm like, Hey man, can I please use your phone? Um, and I was able to get, finally get a hold of my wife and we finally uh, met up and then we tried to get an Uber and, and all the roads were blocked off. Um, there was bumper to bumper for traffic. We were waiting on an Uber for about 20 minutes. And finally I was like, forget it. He's not coming. Um, and so we tried to hail a cab. Could that didn't work because there were none in the area. So we're just kind of sitting like almost in the middle of a street, this busy street that leads into um, Times Square. And this limo pulls over. And this is a true story. A limo pulls over. And this guy is like, hey, do you need a ride? And I, I'm wearing like the poncho from the from the race. So he could tell I was one of the runners. And I said, yeah, we need a ride to our hotel. Like I'm like three minutes or like three miles away. He was like, 50 bucks. Uh, and, and inside I'm screaming, I'm like, I would have paid you a thousand. I'm like, yeah, 50 bucks. Let's go. So we get in this limo and we start driving. Um, again, I'm kind of this conservative kid from the Midwest here in the big city for the first time in New York. Things are done a little bit differently there. I'm just laying down and I'm ready. I just feel like crap. And I just want to get to my room and eat and go to bed. Well, we turn, we get off one of the main streets and we're turning kind of on onto a side street to get us to our hotel. And there was a cab that cut him off. And so he speeds up next to this guy and then like angles to where the cab can't go forward. And he's got this guy angled. So like the side of the cab is angled or the side of the limo is angled um, to the front of the cab. So this guy can't go forward. He jumps out of the limo, starts beating on the window of this cab and just like yelling at him for cutting him off. And, you know, he's going to beat him up and all this stuff. I'm looking at my wife like, we're going to die. This is it. And so he gets back in the limo and, um, you know, he says something like, you know, hey, I'm sorry you had to see that, but sometimes you just have to do what you have to do and you got to put these guys in their place. And I'm just in the back. I'm like, hey, man, 
that's great. I don't care. Do what you got to do. Just please get me back to the hotel. So that was quite an experience in New York. So if you're going to run New York, the start sucks. Have an amazing plan with your family on how you're going to um, hook up after the race. If you want to get into New York, they also have a lottery system. They also have a charity system. They also have international tour groups. Um, you can also be a time qualifier qualifier for New York, which is similar to, to uh, Boston. Um, I'm looking at the demographics of our show and just in the interest of time, um, it seems to that I'm hitting a chord with um, guys, middle-aged guys or, or guys my age. So I'll just kind of stick with that. So um, I'm 43. Um, if I wanted to qualify for New York as a time qualifier, I'd have to run a marathon in uh, two hours and 58 minutes. And then I submit that to the New York City Marathon. And, you know, um, hopefully I get in. Now, just because you submit your time and you're a qualifier doesn't mean you get in because there's other people who are qualifying for it as well. So let's say they've got, you know, 10,000 spots and 10,000 and 12,000 people hit the qualifying time, um, then they're going to start, you know, um, cutting people off. So let's say the qualifying times 258. Um, well, you know, now they're going to look at, okay, well, how do we get to that 10,000 number? All right, well, let's look at these 2000 and 10,000 place 10,000 in, in one. He ran it in 257, 34. Um, so he's going to be our first loser and everybody from 257.34 to 258, unfortunately, they're not going to get in. So that would be a time qualifier. There also, you can volunteer with the New York Roadrunner. So there's a New York Roadrunners that you can sign up for. Um, and it's a running club in New York. If you run nine of their qualifying races and then you qualify or then you volunteer at one of their races, their nine plus one program, you can also get an entry to the New York City Marathon. So New York City Marathon, New York, I, I like you. You're cool. Um, but uh, I'm probably not going to do that race again. All right. So let's go to number three here. Let's look at Berlin, Germany. This was a fun one. So this is one my wife and I ran together and we ran as charity runners. So I could not get in through the lottery. I got in through the lottery with Chicago and miraculously, I got into the lottery with New York. Um, I tried with Berlin. I didn't make it, um, but I did a charity runner and we both were charity runners for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The amount of money we had to raise wasn't that much. I think it was about $1,000 each or so. Um, so that seemed pretty doable. Um, so as we were training, you know, I'd put stuff on instant in, or I'd put stuff on the social media and ask family and friends to donate. And uh, we each ra ra rose a thousand dollars, raised a thousand dollars. And so we ran as Make-A-Wish runners in the Berlin Marathon. Berlin Marathon was a great experience, really enjoyed it. Um, flat course, fast course, um, you know, not too, not too cramped out there, as you can see in, in this picture here with her and I. Um, and, and you get to experience a whole new culture if you're not from Germany or, or, or from Europe. Um, so I'd always wanted to go to Germany. Um, very different culture, especially in Northern Germany and Berlin, where we're at, the people tend to be a little bit more stoic, um, but we enjoyed ourselves. It was, it was a really good time there um, at the Berlin Marathon. And it was fairly easy to get from the finish um, to our hotel room. And it was easy to get to the start from our hotel room. So um, all in all, I thought the experience at Berlin um, was pretty good. The crowd was, was fine. It was a great crowd, not as good as Chicago and, and London that I'll talk about, um, but, but a good crowd there in Berlin. And similar to Chicago, you can again get through a lottery, through a charity, or through an international tour group. So now we're able to get through these a little bit quicker here. So let's talk about the fourth one that I just ran. 
this past fall, um, the London Marathon. I love Chicago. I love the Chicago Marathon. London might be just as good, if not better. I, I mean, the crowd in London was unbelievable. They were fantastic. And if you're looking at this, um, at this picture here, this is me on Tower Bridge, and this is about the half marathon point, the 13.1 mile mark of the marathon here. And I mean, the crowd is just bonkers, especially when you need it the most, because the, the course was hillier than what I was expecting. Um, but I, I, I could not recommend Chicago and London enough. You know, if if there's one overseas marathon you could run, I would say you got to go run the London Marathon. It, it was just great. It's easy to get into to Heathrow Airport. Um, it's easy to navigate around the London with the tube system. Um, obviously, if, if you're from the United States, everybody there speaks English. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been to London three or four times now. Friendly really friendly. I think sometimes Europe gets a bad rap here in the United States with, with the unfriendliness of the people. I have not experienced that. I mean, the people in London were just, um, just very, very hospitable. Um, we had a great time over there. And so the London Marathon, you know, I, I, I wrote a blog post about this, but the economic impact um, for, for the London Marathon in the city of London was something about 13.1 million pounds and the charitable impact from that race is something over like 3 million British pounds. So um, um, maybe even more than that, if, if I'm trying to remember correctly. So um, very, very economically impactful for the city of London there. Um, the London Marathon, if you want to get into the London Marathon, you could also do London or a lottery charity. They also have time qualifications. So if we're looking at my age group for men, the time qualifications, you got to run a sub 305 marathon. So not as fast as New York. Um, and they also, if you live in the UK and, and uh, live in Britain there, um, you can get in as part of the UK championships or um, they also have British clubs. If you're a British running club, they'll give you so many spots there. Okay. And so I'm going to stop the share there. So there's two marathons left that I, I still need to run. And so Tokyo, how do you get in to Tokyo? Tokyo is the first marathon in the marathon calendar. So it's ran in March. Um, and then um, I believe we have um, London and then Boston right after each other in April. Um, and then um, from there, um, I think we have... Berlin. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Sorry. I said that wrong. So you got Tokyo first in March. Then you're going to have um, yeah, yeah, yeah. London, then um, Boston. I believe that's correct. Then I believe you have Berlin, Chicago, and New York. So Berlin is in September. Chicago is in October. And New York is in November. So Tokyo, the one that gets us started every year with the uh, with marathons with the marathon season. So they also have lottery, they have a charity, they have a time qualifier. Um, they also have the One Tokyo Running Club. So if you're a premium member of the One Tokyo Running Club, you can get, um, you can possibly get an entry through there. Um, I was debating whether I was going to tell you guys this, but nobody listens to this show, right? And the, the chance that you do and you'd actually do this, I'm not too worried about it, but they also have an opportunity for Tokyo um, where, um, you could they've got these these virtual runs so it's like run as one tokyo virtual runs um and if you do so so much distance let's say 13 miles over a span of like a week and you don't have to do it all in one time you can break it up in multiple days uh, 
one lucky contestant who does that can get an entry into the Tokyo Marathon. So that's what I'm going to be trying to do um, here this summer. And then the last one, Boston, the granddaddy of them all. Um, the most popular way to get into Boston is as a qualifier. And it's a big, big deal to be a Boston Marathon qualifier. But what's interesting is we look at the qualifiers. So we've looked at qualifiers now for London and New York. Boston's actually the, I guess, the slowest of all of them. So to qualify for Boston in my age group for men would be three hours in 10 minutes. So that's the majority of runners in Boston is time qualifiers. But the reason why that's a little bit more significant is because the, the largest amount of their runners are qualifiers. I mean, you basically have to qualify to get in. Now, you can also run as a charity runner, but to run as a charity runner for Boston, um, you have to raise a lot of money, all right? Just because it's so hard to get in, there's so few charity spots, maybe about 6,000 or so. Um, so you're going to be raising anywhere from like five to $10,000 for that charity. And then you might be a special invitee, you know, somebody like Oprah, uh, who ran the Boston Marathon years ago. You know, if you're a celebrity or you're, you get some type of sponsor's exemption or something like that, you might be able to, to run the Boston Marathon. So there you go. There's your six world major marathons. Um, let me know. All right, do you want to run one? If so, which one do you run or want? Do you want to run? Do you want to run all six? Um, hit me up on social media, Instagram and Twitter at FOF underscore show. Let me know if this is also on your bucket list to be a six-star finisher. All right, to, now is the time in the show um, where I talk about a dream job in sports. So this is our dream job um, segment of the show. So I, you know, if you're listening to the show, I'm going to assume that you're interested in sport business and maybe interested in a career in sport management. I've had a, over a 20 year career in sport management. There is absolutely nothing I would rather do other than working in sport. And it's great because now I'm on the end of my career where I get to mentor and give back and, and help people. So that's what I like to do in this part of the show. So I, I kind of go through different job boards or different places where you can find sport jobs on the internet. And I like to just expose those to you and show you a job that um, maybe you haven't considered before. And so today comes from a job board from Openly. Now, I don't know a lot about this job board. I think it's relatively new, but I did see it on my LinkedIn, O-P-E-N-L-Y, Openly. Um, so I've checked it out and they've got some pretty cool jobs listed on their job board. So I'm looking at openly.palette, P-A-L-L-E-T.com. And this job here is for Director of Human Resources with the Washington Nationals. Now, that might be something you don't realize in sport that, you know, sport teams and organizations are companies just like any other company. And so they need things like accounting and finance and legal and HR, um, things that might not necessarily show up on the field, but are extremely important to the operations of these teams and organizations. I told you I was just with some uh, students at a South Bend Cubs minor league game last night, um, recording this on a Thursday, and we were there on Wednesday night, and we got to meet with their HR finance person and just her importance on that role and keeping them compliant with a lot of state and, and um, um, federal laws in, in, um, in HR is extraordinarily uh, important just because of the massive fines that can come down if you have people working for you who are not authorized to work. So if you want to work in sport, but maybe your passion is in HR, 
and you think, how will I work in sport with HR? Well, here you go. The Washington Nationals are hiring the Director of Human Resources. It looks like this is going to be on site and you're going to be doing things about providing thoughtful leader, leadership for employee relation issues, such as employee complaints and allegations of harassment and consult consultation with the VP, um, pushing their DEI initiatives, um, leading all hiring, onboarding and employee relation matters that they're done, like I said, in compliance with federal and local laws, managing and administering their year-end performance management and salary planning program, directing the HR team, um, coming up with employee recognition programs, you know, um, looking at the programs and practices in place and how can we make them better and strengthen them, um, working with insurance companies, uh, working with workers comp um, and, and getting bids and, and working on like with insurance on, hey, how can we get the best rates? So you're going to be in charge of all that. So for this job here with the Nationals as director of HR, you need to have a minimum of 10 years of exempt level human resources experience, uh, minimum of six years and eight. HR, business partner capacity, minimum of four years of supervisory experience, strong analytical abilities with the experience of developing and analyzing metrics to enable business decisions, must be process-focused and demonstrated achievement and significant key business goals and demonstrate strong decision-making and judgment, oral and written communication, business acumen skills. Um, so these are the minimum requirements here. They also have some preferred requirements um, as well. What I am not seeing necessarily as I look through this here um, is on the minimum requirements, any educational requirements, but I do see here and preferred, they are looking for someone with a four-year college degree in HR. So somebody at a director level um, is somebody who's going to be, uh, who's already been working in this field for a long time. So if you're looking to make your break into sport and you're just kind of an entry level, maybe you're a new college grad, or maybe you want to transition to sport for something else, you know, director level, you're going to need some experience. Um, kind of look for those things um, that are a little bit lower tier, maybe like administrator or coordinator. Look for those in the title and you're going to have a much better chance of landing that job if you're kind of looking, if you're more on the entry level portion of career of your career. But like the person we talked with last night, she didn't even work in sports. She was working in banking, doing a lot of these same things in the HR finance function in banking. Um, but the skills were transferable because again, like I said, these teams and organizations, they're just companies, just like anything else, except the end product in sport is pretty darn cool. To me, it's a lot more fun selling tickets to a baseball game than it would be selling mortgages. Nothing wrong with that. I got friends who um, are mortgage lenders and they are fantastic. I love my mortgage lender. Um, but objectively, I think it's just a little bit more cool to sell tickets to a sporting event. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I, I love joining you every week and just kind of giving you my perspective and um, some other background on the, the business of sport. Again, follow us Instagram and Twitter at FOF underscore show. Check us out on YouTube and Rumble. Love each other. Love God. Be a good sport. Have a great week. We'll see you next Friday.